0: This is Phone Booth Fighting Old School from Stately Mirror Manor, Frank. This is just like the old days.
1: Yeah, it's a throwback.
0: Audio only, uh, out of the studio, sitting around Stately Mirror Manor, handheld mics. Uh, We're doing it by necessity because uh, Frank's got a crazy schedule this week with doing uh, out-of-town promotion for the upcoming Fedor fight. We'll talk about that here in uh, just a little bit, uh, we're also going to tell you, how's this for a tease? How in the hell could Connor McGregor cross paths with an FBI raid on Donald Trump's lawyer's residence? How did that happen? We'll talk about that here in a little bit. I've been thinking about that tease all afternoon, hoping I was going to be the first to make it. Uh, We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about UFC 223 as well as some upcoming fights after we talk about the sponsors that make this show happen. Let's spend a few minutes on that, Frank. Firstly, Low T Nation, week in and week out. They bring you guys episodes of the show to keep it free of charge to you. And not only that... They pass a savings on to you guys when it comes to health and wellness. Now, how does it work? First of all, you're a guy. Second of all, you're not as young as you used to be. Third, maybe you're slowing down a little bit. Uh, You're starting to feel it physically. Uh, You're starting to notice uh, a a deterioration in your physical appearance. Well, what you got to do is you go to LowTNation.com. There is a toll-free number there. You call that toll-free number. You're going to reach our good friends Brandon and Dr. Weeks in Atlanta, Georgia. They're going to do a telephone consultation that's free. They're going to direct you to a uh, lab in your area for some preliminary testing. And then that's basically all the effort that you have to put into it outside of uh, you, your own home. And I'll let you take it from there, Frank, because once uh, you you navigate your way through uh, a couple of easy preliminary steps, they start doing all the heavy lifting over at Low T Nation.
1: Yeah, at that point, <clears throat> they get uh, one of their physicians that are on board to make sure they make the right call and get you the right prescriptions uh make sure that you know that you're dialed up properly and at that point uh, it's uh, the pharmacy ships it directly to your door every month to make sure that you're uh, on schedule and you're very convenient and very uh, uh, it's very cost effective.
0: You're going to look better. You're going to feel better. And uh, you're going to feel like you've just added years to your life. I know that because we hear from phone booth fighting listeners week in and week out who have gotten on board with the Low T Nation way. And uh, they all say the same thing, which is there's no looking back now. LowTNation.com Nation.com is the website. Give them a call. Do the free telephone consultation. Just find out if you're a candidate. That won't uh, cost you anything and takes just a few moments your time, and then uh, you find out if, in fact, you are uh, eligible to get on that uh, Low-T Nation path. LowTNation.com. This podcast also, Frank, brought to you by elefson Coffee Company. My uh, buddy Dave Elfson the bass player in Megadeth, has a coffee company now. It's called uh, elfson Coffee. You can find them on the web at EllefsonCoffeeCo.com. That's e L L E F S O N Coffee Co. dot com, and uh, it is if you're a coffee drinker and if you're a metalhead, and I check both those boxes, uh, it's it's a match made in uh, caffeinated musical heaven, uh, because uh, they've got a variety of uh, bean roasts over there, from uh, light all the way to supercharged dark roast, heavily caffeinated. Uh, and uh, everything has a, a, a great musical theme with it as well. You go to the website, you check out the uh, even the artist signature brands. They've got uh, signature brands from uh, brands roasts of uh, for some of the guys uh, like in uh, Queens. Reich uh, Skid Row has their own uh, roast. Some other bands uh, that you've heard of, and Dave's a great guy too, and he runs a really cool little uh, mom and pop operation there and he's gotten on board now last week uh they sent us a bunch of coffee i know you quickly grabbed up the kenya thrash have you had a chance to try they they warned me that is not for the faint at heart
1: yeah no i was able to come home and try some and i'm a fan i like it
0: yeah yeah that's uh that's some stiff stuff i drink
1: a lot of coffee so anything i get my heart rate pumping
0: yeah I'm the same way. I'm the same way. It's uh, it's it's the one thing that uh that, that I do when it comes to the vice uh, department. But even that, I I keep it organic. Uh, now here's the thing: you can uh, save money on your order at com. an offer exclusively for phone booth fighting listeners at checkout. Enter the promo code phone booth. That's promo code phone booth and save ten percent off your entire order. They not only have the coffee; they've got uh, some really cool uh, Elfson Megadeth themed merchandise. There, he's even got this awesome. He's, they've got a bullet thermos, Frank, that has Dave's picture on it, playing bass in Megadeth, and he's got the um, the bullet thermos. But the thermos is literally a bullet, so it's the the cup, the part that you unscrew that you drink out of. It looks like the the, uh, flat end of a bullet... Where when you turn it upside down, it's like it's yeah. gold or copper or whatever they make no, think, those out of. It was a
1: shotgun shell, basically.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, I guess yeah. that's what you would say, a shotgun shell. Yeah, yeah, very cool item. So anyway, uh, the website, once again, com. Enter the promo code Phone Booth to take 10% off your entire order. And uh, once again, thanks to Phone Booth Fighting listeners who are uh, supporting that sponsor. We're already hearing from you on social media, and uh, a lot of people are already out there enjoying the coffee. All right, uh, one more uh, note, if you will, do us a favor, go to iTunes and look us up. Why on earth would somebody go to iTunes and look us up, Frank? It wouldn't have anything to do with five stars, would it?
1: Well, a five-star view just gets us up there and it helps people find us. And uh, leaving a favorable review, if you can, is is an awesome way to help out the show. And, you know, we always say the best way is always just to tell a friend. You tell yep. somebody else about us, and they check it out. And hopefully they can read about your little uh, review about us and your five-star.
0: We appreciate it. Uh, five-star reviews in iTunes are always appreciated, and we like to read them here on the show. So uh, take a moment, do that for us. won't cost you a thing, but it helps us tremendously in supporting the show. And once again, keeping it free for every one of you listening. All right, speaking of free content, stand back. Here we go. It uh, was a crazy weekend and a crazy end of the week to the world of the UFC, courtesy, for the most part, of Conor McGregor. Uh, We'll talk about that in a second after we talk about the fights that occurred Saturday night. Uh, The main event was uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov at UFC 223 there in Brooklyn. Taking on Ally Aquinta. Now, how did we get to Ally Aquinta? Well, we got to Ally Aquinta by way of Tony Ferguson, who tripped over a uh, camera cable and tore up his knee, and then that gave way to featherweight champ Max Holloway, who was going to take the fight on short notice, but couldn't quite cut the weight he needed to to get to 155. My understanding was he got to 159, and they looked at his uh, stats and said, you got to stop, they being the uh, athletic commission. I guess even though he fights at 145, not having time, to cut weight, and also coming off an injury, a lot of times people don't realize how heavy these guys walk around sometimes. So even that Uh, could be tough for him.
1: I mean, and I see guys all the time. That still surprised me Mm. to realize he's that big.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, that shocked me a little bit. I didn't realize it'd be that difficult for him to get down.
0: Yeah, and so he had to stop there, uh, not able to make weight. And keep in mind too, uh, it being a title fight, you can't even just get to one fifty six. You got to right. hit that one fifty five on the dot. So Max Holloway got benched. Ally Aquinta was supposed to uh, fight on the um, on the. Uh, I guess it was the, I almost said Facebook prelims. Boy, that's going back a ways. The uh, Fight Pass prelims, he was going to take on uh, Paul Felder. I think that might have, I can't remember if it was on the the Facebook, uh, damn, I almost did it again. The uh, Fight Pass prelims or the the FX1 card, but at any rate, it was on the undercard. So they scrap uh, that fight. Felder will get a future opponent. Um, I don't know, were you, because you were, you were overseas covering ACB, did you follow the lineage of, even once they realized that Holloway wasn't going to be able to fight, Al, uh, uh, Iaquinta was like the third consideration. First...
1: Pettis, wasn't
0: it? Uh, right. First they go to Anthony Pettis. Pettis supposedly wanted to negotiate the financial terms. I read one report that said that he wanted like a million bucks. That's what you saw. Was, you saw that yeah. too. Um I understand maybe going to him and going, Hey, you know, you need to take care of me here if I'm going to be stepping in this main event. But before we go any further, and maybe you will disagree with me here. I don't know. I want to know who in the world advised Anthony Pettis against taking that fight, given the position that he's in right now with his career. I understand wanting a little bit more money and I'm sure he would have made a little bit more money. But given a a title shot at 155 just being able to step into a a title I mean the the fight that the 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 title that he once held, what's it going to take for him to get back there organically otherwise at this point?
1: No, it was a huge opportunity for him and I understand asking, you know, Hey, you know, set the bar high. You never know. You know, shit, give me a million bucks. Okay. You know, uh, they always say in the art of negotiation, you know, the guy who first sets the number kind of sets the parameters of what we're talking about. Uh-huh. You know, if he comes out and goes, hey, five grand, you're like, oh, shit, really? That's what we're gonna... okay. You know, that, oh, that's what you're thinking? Okay, uh, four, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas maybe if he says a million and they're like, all right, no, no, don't be crazy. We're going to give you 200 grand, you know, and he can be pleasantly, you know, happy with that. Uh, but when they probably counter offered back or laughed and he saw, you know, I mean, obviously in a negotiation, I mean, I've negotiated many times, you know, now with commentating and doing stuff, you know, you ask for something, you can kind of look at the person's reaction and see, am I even in the ballpark? Mm-hmm. Did I shortchange myself? Are you like, Oh shit. Okay, here you go. No do- I'm like, Oh damn, I should have asked for more. Mm-hmm. Or am I getting the. Dude, are you are are you insane? Are you smoking something? Like no, I'm not going to give you 500 grand every time you, you know, to to to, to you know, take a picture with this drink. What are you are you smoking, you know? Yeah. Uh so at that point, you got to think maybe he just priced himself out, not wanting to take the fight. Um That was silly because, I mean, he's still, uh, you know, I know he's had a run of bad luck, but, you know, he's still a very talented fighter with, you know, great striking, kicks, submissions. I mean, who says he doesn't walk in there and, and, you know, upset the world? I mean, we've seen it happen before. I mean, not that statistically, you know, the odds of him winning the fight were in his favor. But that's the beautiful thing about MMA. There are no guarantees. I mean, I watched Matt Serra knock out George St. Pierre, and no one had ever thought that could ever happen. Right. You know, in fact, when we were sitting in the living room at the house last time, when Rose fought Joanna, I was the most adamant supporter of of Joanna. And it was Mrs. Mirror that was like, I think Rose has her. I'm like, babe. If Rose even lasts two rounds with her, she deserves like some kind of honorary belt. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, knocks her out in the first round, and then this time around, I still didn't pick her. I'm like, I don't know. I think it was a fluke. Yeah, I couldn't have been more wrong, you know. And so, I mean, for him not to take the fight, you're right. Like he's gonna, he probably. I mean, especially at fifty five pounds. There's guys that go on nine fight win streaks that don't get fucking title shots. Yeah. It is a hard weight. I mean, you're a heavyweight. You fight nine times. You've defended it four. You're steep You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, it, it, I it, mean, uh, you, lightweight, welterweight, featherweight, you got to string together a ton of wins to get a title shot. And he just had the opportunity, I mean, to, to be in there again and make some money. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that. Uh, management-wise, I think it was a a tactical error.
0: To me, it seemed like a tremendous mistake. And there was no
1: loss in it.
0: No. Just getting his ass
1: kicked. No one would...
0: Yes, you're right, you're right. There's
1: nobody that would have made an argument that he should have won that fight. Like, well, you know, you have a good – it's like, I mean, even right now, it's like, well, he's still a good fighter. He still could land a shot. He still could – hey, if Khabib takes a a bad shot or, you know, gets stunned, you know, hey, he could wrap his neck. You know, he armbarred Benson Henderson, who's great at Mm -hmm. jujitsu. is an opportunity he could win, but if they fought 100 times, Khabib's winning – 99 of them you know what i mean like yeah. it's just the way it is no one's i would be very hard pressed to find someone that thinks otherwise so it's like look you're going in there you're taking the fight you're stepping up you're gonna get an out of boy with the ufc you're gonna make some extra money i mean shit like it's a win-win
0: and let, let, let's back up and look at this it's not even like he was gonna fight otherwise because his fight against michael chiesa which is what was supposed to be on the card was scrapped because of the, right. the bus incident yeah. that we'll talk about in a minute
1: Right, but I so doesn't get paid at all.
0: No. So, so, well, so.
1: You're probably going to still get the show money. Maybe. I mean, you can't not give him a show money. I know he didn't take the fight with, but I mean, he showed up, he made weight. Yeah. It's not his fault that it got pulled out. You know, I mean, I know it's not the UFC's fault, but at the same time. You know, like you know, yeah, you yeah. Gotta that's take care of the fighters. Well, yeah, that's, part that's of true. Doing, that's yeah. the price of doing business. Well, no, you
0: hopefully at least it, he get his show money. To but, me, if the fighter shows yeah. up to
1: a fight and the other fighter doesn't isn't able to compete, yeah, the guy who showed up if he was able to compete and made weight, he at the very least you have to pay him his show money.
0: No, no, I I, I agree with that. But if if you look at because we were talking about this on the last show with Pettis, he's on a losing skid. He's you know, and he's lost to some some top notch talent, but like you said, that's just the nature of the lightweight division. That's not changing. Yeah. So that's just the deal. Okay, you're talking about a guy who, what, three years ago, I think was uh, about three years ago was champ. Yeah. So he's a guy, and with Kiesa, he's fighting a ranked opponent, but he's coming dangerously close to the bottom of that ranking. You know what I mean like he's oh, isn't he's
1: just a 9 and he's 12 or something Yeah or, but I mean he's now I mean, He's one loss away from being bumped out of the top That's what team. I'm talking
0: about. Yeah. He's now dwelling kind of right around that that line of demarcation where maybe you fall out of rankings. So if I were looking at Pettis, I would go, because we talked about on the last episode, what was on the line for him and what was on the line for him was really trying to hang on to top 10 relevancy. He needed to beat Kiesa just to be in top 10 conversation again. So now money aside, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. He gets show me. Let's even just forget about that for a second. Okay. We know he's not getting a fight and it's not like he's 22 years old. I mean, he's he's still got good fight years ahead of him, but, you know, let's keep moving forward. Let's let's get this train back on the track. Let's remind everybody that, hey, you know, I'm a former champion and I belong in the top ten conversation for, you know, to my mind, the rest of my fight career. I mean, this is the time to be establishing that. And so to have all of those factors going in, and then you figure you know what what's what do i really get out of a ksa win well what you get out of it like i said is is kind of maintaining a spot in that in that ranking conversation but toward the bottom end of it for sure you go from that to we're going to give you a title shot and it's not even a title shot you had to come off the couch to get you're already in shape we're not even asking you to move up in weight, it's your weight class. Granted, it's against Khabib Nurmagomedov, but you're getting a title shot, and you just said it. You, So he gets beat. That that would affect him. That wouldn't affect him.
1: Alec Quinta.
0: Yeah. No one thinks left of Al, less of Alec
1: uh-uh. Quinta. If anything, now we all knew he was skilled. It's like, well, shit. What would he have done if he had the camp to prepare for a five-round fight? If he would have been better prepared to, to face... I mean, uh, yeah. uh, you know, Khabib, uh, I thought he made a good showing of himself. If anything, it yeah. showed how tough he was and resilient. And I mean, Khabib is thrashed, you know, uh, Barboza and Johnson. And then all of a sudden he goes in there and he doesn't take the same thrashing. If anything, you know, some people were like, Oh, I thought Khabib would do a little bit better. It's like, well, no, Aliquinta's is really a great fighter. Mm-hmm. He just really was a fucking pain in the ass to fight. Khabib still dominated every fucking minute of the fight. I don't think it's you know. There's no way you can argue that maybe in the fifth round for a little bit why you know when Khabib decided to take breaks, but for the most part, I mean, it was the Khabib show.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But that just shows you how tough Al is. So at the end, mm-hmm. it's like, well, shit, man. You know, he actually goes up in I think everybody's opinion.
0: I agree. I think he does too. And he, getting back to the the Pettis comparison. And I realized Pettis wasn't even on the card, so we, we need to focus on the people who were, but I don't want this to be overlooked. Because when I saw that Pettis wasn't taking that fight after it had been offered to him, I thought, I just don't see any other way that this is anything but a major miscalculation on his management's part, if that's what they're advising him to do. Because he could, even if he just had the showing that Al Aquinta had, I mean, even if he gets shut out on the scorecards, Pettis does, but he takes Khabib five, he doesn't look as dominated as some of Khabib's more recent opponents, Uh, then you know what we're saying about Pettis? We're going... Well, yeah, I mean he, he didn't have you know, Khabib had his number and everything, but you know what? He hung in there the whole time and showed us why he's a former champion. You know, we've forgotten this guy is a was a former champion. He's taken on this murderous row of It really
1: was a no lose situation for Yeah.
0: Him. It's like it breathes it, it, it invigorates. Yeah, it invigorates his career no matter what, in my opinion, even in a loss. Compared yeah. to where he's at right now.
1: I mean it was Just don't get it. less risk than Max Holloway.
0: Yeah yeah a lot less so anyway that's that will probably I mean, Max end up- is a
1: young champion and you know i mean i know he's moving up a weight class and there's always that well i you know mm-hmm. the guys a weight class above me but it's still you know you know the pound for pound conversation different arguments like that future fights uh, of of having guys fight super fights out of their weight class yeah you know uh i didn't necessarily might i would have been if I was actually Max Holloway's manager, I personally didn't agree with him taking the fight. I would have sat there and went mm-hmm. like, "Eh, no, I don't think so, man. Mm-hmm. Maybe if we had a full camp and we were prepared for this, you know, like you know, kind of like how Daniel Cormier's gonna have a full camp to prepare for Stipe. Yeah, but this guy's a killer, and he's heavier than you. He's had a full camp." You're going to take a a six-day notice to fight this guy and move up, and you're the champ and you're a young guy. You have lots of fights ahead of you. No, we're not going to take it.
0: Yeah, there was a downside.
1: There was some downside. I I wasn't crazy about it. But everybody else at 55, Pettis, it's like, I don't see the downside.
0: Well, it'll probably end up being kind of a, a footnote. Uh, in in the history of this fight card in terms of Pettis' miscalculation, but I thought it was definitely worth a little bit of discussion here on the show. Another footnote of this is going to be poor Paul Felder because, you know, they looked at Felder and the, the New York State Athletic Commission would not allow him to fight Khabib because he isn't ranked. He isn't ranked by the UFC that does their own rankings. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's just – an that, that that's an athletic commission not comprehending what those rankings are to begin with, which is just a conversation piece. Was
1: that the ranking they were going to use, or were they using, like, fight metric?
0: No, no, they were using the UFC's rankings. So now
1: if they said fight metric and say, hey, look, yeah. man, on fight metric, you're not even in the top 30.
0: Mm-hmm. We're not, mm-hmm.
1: you know, sanctioning this. I can kind of agree with that. Say, hey, look, you know, you're going to get murdered, kind of. But, I mean, he's a professional fighter. He's in the UFC.
0: He's also fighting the guy that they gave the fight to.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I just, I, I don't agree
0: with that. No, I. I to me. If I mean, th-
1: like if it was CM Punk or somebody yeah. off the, I think when they don't make fights, it means that, okay, look, we're not talking about whether you winning or losing. We don't think you know enough about fighting to not even get hurt. Right. You're telling me that Paul Felder, like between the referee and and his MMA experience, isn't going to be able to get out of there on you know without taking some kind of life changing injuries. You know uh, that 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 to me was a little silly.
0: Well, and also you've got Felder matched up against Iaquinta. Now I I couldn't tell you off the top of my head who was favored in that fight, but. Uh, it wasn't a blowout either way. It wasn't like, you know, somebody's a 10-to-1 underdog, and you're, oh, my God, this guy's going to get murdered. So it's ridiculous to say one of those two people, one person – shouldn't be uh, uh, essentially medically sanctioned to take the main event fight, but yet the person you have a matched against is okay. But anyway, that's how Ally Quinta got the fight. He made the most of it. Uh, Major props to him for taking that fight. And now, I mean, we alluded to it a minute ago, but but just to really kind of get a bit more into it. To me, he absolutely looked like he belonged in there. It, there was no question that it was I mean, sh- shut out on the scorecards, but you know. But I'll tell you this: he's given Khabib the hardest problem that anybody else has given. Well, and I was going to say, Is anybody else
1: even? I mean, besides the one punch that Michael Johnson landed on Khabib, and then after that, Khabib destroyed mm-hmm. Johnson. Every, Khabib has looked unbeatable in this fight. At least it looked like he, it wasn't like he, Khabib looked human. Yeah, dominating fighter, but he still looked like oh, okay. The guys, he still bleeds. You know, what I mean, like there is a chance that maybe someone could beat him. You know what I mean? Like, you know, up until this point, he's looked immortal.
0: You know? Well, and if you look at his last three fights, um, Barbosa, uh, Michael Johnson, now uh, Iaquinta, Iaquinta is going to be the one that probably will not get shown very much in Khabib highlights. Yeah. As, he as, struggled
1: more with him than anybody else. Right.
0: Uh, that That's worth noting. And also I think it's worth noting, too, that Khabib, gave him a, a, a pretty solid amount of respect. You know, Ale, uh, Iaquinta was fighting in that sort of low-crouch position, yeah. guarding against the the takedown. through
1: threw some hooks. I mean, he landed a couple of yeah. overhand rights there in the third round where I was like, you know, because it looked like for a while there, I mean, he actually made Khabib look like, oh, you know what, I'm not going to take some shots. I'm going to go ahead and do some stand-up. Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually, for, for a minute there, I got the notion I'm like, oh, damn, he, Al has a chance now. Mm-hmm. You know, Khabib's in a stand with him, you know, and Alicuenta has good hands, you know what I mean? He's a good boxer. So I was like, oh, you know, and it looked like, you know, the hands were going to work for him until, you know, Khabib then started taking him down again.
0: Yeah, the, the best thing I can say about a fight like that where it's a shutout on the cards, it was never a question as to who had won it, but the fact that I was still watching intently four rounds in, right going, so entertaining it's a shot well it's entertaining and also I know where the shot is I know that that Quinta's shot is going to be improbable but I know it's there and I know he's doing the right thing even from like that low crouch stance I mean he's given up some offense by doing that but at the same time he's guarding against what is for sure going to beat him which is Khabib just nailing him to the mat and keeping him there, which you know, Khabib obviously did the Khabib thing, and at times uh, was was on him. But but even at that, I mean, even as as Ayacuinta was putting himself in disadvantageous positions, you know, having to turn uh, uh, into mount to get out yeah, of right, uh, get him off still his still back, still. you know, some of that kind of stuff. At least he uh, he hung in there. So definitely, um, uh, as much as you can in a loss like that, Iaquinta's stock uh, rises. Uh, and then Khabib, you know, even though he didn't look as dominant as he he has in his last couple of fights, I think it did uh, nothing to quell uh the the interest in having him uh fight Tony Ferguson. I know Dana said he was never gonna try to make that yeah, fight you know, again, and, but- and I,
1: actually, I was sitting there thinking about it afterwards. I'm all mm-hmm. for, for Dana to say that I'm never gonna make book this fight again. I mean, that's obviously an emotional statement, Because yeah. the logic of it, it goes, okay, so when Tony heals up. Where is he ranked? One. So who does he fight next? The champ. <laughs> I mean, how do you not make the fight? You know, what yeah. I mean, maybe someone else gets a title shot before Ferguson, like the number two guy, number three guy. You know, who knows if Conor, you know, and let's say Conor comes back, or but I mean, unless someone smokes Tony out of the number one spot, yeah. and someone beats Khabib, uh, if you got the champ and the number one guy are both staying in those two positions. They're going to get booked again. It's just, it's improbable. I mean, it's not like one of them's you know forty years old, and it's like, well, he's going to age out of it. It's like, no, they're yeah. both there. Like, th- like I, I was just sitting there going, like that probably wasn't a well thought out statement because how do you not book the fight?
0: Yeah. Well, I think I- I've uh, I- I've been around uh this sport long enough that I. I speak Dana White not fluently, but I, I do. Speak, you probably are a little more fluent than me uh, in speaking Dana White. But as soon as I heard that comment, I actually thought, I think he's kind of, this is like a half sarcastic aside anyway, because he was asked that in the course of an interview. And to me, it's like if you and I try to eat at some restaurant we want to go to three times and it's been closed every time, and you go, I do not ever want to hear about this You're place right. again. Yeah. You know,
1: you don't really what do I call it, like a hyperbole or something Yeah, hyperbole, exactly. <laughs> hyperbole.
0: Yeah, so so I think it yeah, was it was right. probably that. Uh so so I think that's definitely uh where you know uh Ferguson uh, uh Ferguson uh Khabib was uh uh was he was talking about George Saint Pierre, I think. Yeah. I think there was a uh, there was there was talk about that. But who knows with Saint Pierre? Who knows what's happening with Saint Pierre yeah, at I all?
1: I mean, it, he has that Diverticulitis now again. Yeah,
0: I think I think uh, uh,
1: Crohn's or you know, some it, intestinal issue. Right? Yeah,
0: I I think that would. I don't think it's straight up Crohn's, but yeah, he's got some kind of stomach issue going on. But I think you just you just you bite the bullet. You keep working for Ferguson until we eventually get it. But have a backup plan in place. You know, have your your uh, your your Pedices and your your Iaquintas and whoever else like that. On uh, on the card, let's talk. Okay, so before we move off of that,
1: actually, you know what? Tyron Woodley, Khabib. I mean, if Khabib wants to move up a weight class, I mean, mm. I know he had talked about in your guys's interview about going down and fighting at featherweight, but I still don't see that mm. ever happening. I mean, mm. we were talking whether or not he. Would, I mean, this is the first time he's ever finally made fifty five. Yeah, you know, uh, I just don't see. He's so thick. Yeah, I mean, you just look at Khabib's body, his neck, his shoulders he's not a small lightweight. I mean, he's struggled and he has missed weight on several occasion to make 56. Yeah. And so making 45, give me a break. It's never going to happen. I mean, who knows? Maybe he he's found some new nutritionist. He'll figure it out. But, yeah. but fighting 70 and fighting a super fight with Woodley, that'd be interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. And maybe something they'll have to look at if, uh, if, if Ferguson can't get made fairly quickly, but, all in yeah, all, Ferguson's
1: knees, I mean, how bad is a knee injury?
0: I don't think we really I don't think we really have a, a clear picture on that, because he said Ferguson's uh, statement was that he had talked to two doctors. One said he needed surgery. The other said there might be other possibilities. So I don't think we really know yet. Yeah, I don't think yeah. there's anything definitive. Well, before we move off of that, talk about uh, the co-main event and these other fights on the fight card. We haven't had a chance to react to what led to all this chaos to begin with because you and I taped an episode last week. Uh, that's when we thought that Max Holloway was going to be fighting Khabib Nurmagomedov, and it's also before Conor McGregor showed up unannounced at the uh, at the uh, media event two days before the fight and uh, attacked a, a bus that had a bunch of fighters on it. Uh, first off, you're— reaction to seeing all that
1: well at first i you know shocked like anybody else you know and uh and and when i thought about it i was like well you know he he jumped in the plane and it was a calculated stunt to you know for attention which he's a mastermind at getting media and and, you know injecting himself in the image and you know and, and maybe setting up a future fight with uh Khabib, you know this could add the turmoil to it, but then how far he took it? Yeah, such a miscalculation. Uh, I, I I've just I'm at a loss to try to defend him because he's such a smart guy. I mean, come on, if you would have told me three years ago that somebody could make a fight with. An MMA fighter and and Floyd, I, I think even in the show, when, you know, Angelo, you know, was talking. Oh, they're going to make this fight. I'm like, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Dana didn't want it to happen. The UFC didn't want it to happen. Conor made that happen through his marketing and through his mouth and through his you know promoting ability. He really was the driving force behind the Mayweather Conor fight. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I give him all credit for that. Uh, he, he did that. That was him, you know? So you have this guy who I think business savvy is extremely smart. I think he's pushed the sport, the bar up for everybody else. I mean, when other fighters are like, Oh, I'm kind of irritated with him. Like, dude, he's helped us all out. Mm -hmm. He's pushed the bar up. You know, the amount of money now guys can start seeing and, and, and what fighters can do or is forever changed. He's changed the sport in a positive manner for the future fighters that are coming along in my opinion. But then, uh, so to do what he did when he grabbed the uh, you know the the dolly i think it was and he threw it in the tree yeah. i'm watching it, i'm looking at them all why would you do that why would you you know go like to me it just seemed like well was this a publicity stunt? You know, and 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 then we were all sitting there talking about it over there in Slovakia, while you know doing the ACB, and obviously everybody's on their phones. It's the first thing I heard about when I I checked into my hotel and, and you know flew into Vienna and on the car trip there, and as soon as I get Wi Fi and I walk in the lobby, it's like I don't even get a hey, what's up, man? I'm like, oh shit, did you hear about Connor? I'm like, what, what, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And it was just you know you know you would have thought he shot somebody, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they're talking, they're talking, and then obviously you know. Over there, it's a very pro Russian group, and they're like, he's afraid. He's afraid to fight, you know, Khabib, you know, mm-hmm. and he did this so the UFC, so that he can get kicked out. And, I, and I'm like, well, I don't think he's afraid. I mean, come on. And then, but the more I think about it, I couldn't defend him. I'm sitting there kind of looking at them. They're like, well, why else would he do it? I'm all, well, you know, he jumped in a plane and you know, he had time to think about it. Obviously. I mean, come on, it's Connor. This was for Mm -hmm. publicity. It's marketing. He's going to make money off of this. You know, they had the UFC cameras embedded were there. This was thought out to a point. You know what I mean? Yeah. He showed up at the press conference. Like I think until he ran off the rails, this was thought out. Mm -hmm. Uh, it wasn't like he went and jumped Khabib coming out of his hotel room, you know. He went somewhere that was very public, so that it would be seen, you know. Uh, so this would make you know part of the countdown show, or when they go to fight each other, it was it's money making, you know. It's uh, look at the headlines that it caught, you know. It just it went bad, and for me to think that maybe there's a part of him that just wanted to shoot himself in the foot, it's hard for me not to kind of like hear those people saying that and go. Shit, man, there might be some truth to that. Like, I I don't know. Like, you know, you know, he's if it's just, you know, some guy at the bar, like, oh, he lost his cool. I'm like, dude, he's a professional fighter. He has to stand toe to toe with guys that want to punch him in the face and take money from him all the time. He's had to do press conferences with Jose Aldo and everybody else that, you know, and, and stand there and, and put on performances, stand face to face with Mayweather and not do dumb shit, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like not hit each other, mm-hmm. so you're telling me that this guy that can exhibit self-control at all these other functions, all of a sudden now he doesn't have self-control, you know, it's kind of like a guy hits his girl, you either do or you don't, That's right. you know what I mean, like you either control that shit or you're somebody who can't, you know, no one ever just hits their lady one time, you're not one of those, you know, you're either somebody who crosses that line or you're somebody that knows how not to cross that line and uh he knows how not to cross that line he's proven it i mean he's mm-hmm. a marketing genius
0: i think that it it may be indicative of the fact that the more money you make and the more yes men you get around you the the more you lose objectivity in the counsel that you surround yourself with what i mean is this yeah. i actually think it's a it's a fine line with him between genius and disaster what he did was a disaster. But it could have been genius with a few slight adjustments. Here, hear me out. Here's what I mean. All right, Connor, I got an idea. Let's do this. Let's get in the plane. Let's fly over there. We're going to show up at the media event, right? You're going to start mouthing off to Khabib. In, first of all, in the media event. Let's don't do it at the loading dock. Let's work this out where you either get into the media event. I don't know if it was probably not open to the public. I don't know that for sure. Sometimes those press conferences are. But if it's open like to the – they wouldn't let him in. Right. That's what I'm saying. Either you sit in the stands with the fans and yell, that'll be funny, or they let you in. And you yell from the the back of the room where like the media is and stuff. That'll cause a disruption, but you're yelling at Khabib Nurmagomedov. Now here's what you yell. Give me this fight. What do you mean? You're trying to work out terms with Anthony Pettis. What do you mean? Uh, ally who, you know, he does that bit. Who's this guy? Who the fuck is this guy? You know, uh, I acquainted. No, give me Connor. The I flew all the way over here to Ireland to take this fight. Now, Conor McGregor can't get to 155 on that short of a notice, so he's going to have the out that, hey, I'm here to take this fight right now, but either the UFC will play the bad guy and they'll go, oh, no, no, we we have to prom- properly promote a Conor McGregor fight. We're not giving him that fight. Great. That's an out. He can make the UFC the bad guy on that. Or... Even if they were to call his bluff and go, okay, all right, take the fight. Then he can't cut. But you see what I'm doing? Then he can say, hey, if it weren't, you know, hey, Khabib, if it weren't for uh, the State Athletic Commission and or the UFC standing in between us here, I would be fighting you Saturday night. So what he does is that's all of the hype, all of the attention, hijack the show. He gets all of the benefit, but there's no crime committed. And I'll tell you where I think he really screwed up where it totally got fucked up in my opinion is when it impacted not only other people not only innocent bystanders but guys that don't make a lot of money relatively speaking like what you what you don't want to do when you're doing this high profile stunt with Khabib Nurmagomedov is to cost Ray Borg and Michael Chiesa their their fights I mean, even if they get something from the organization, like, you know, maybe they get paid their show money or something. I don't know what what all's sure. happening with that. But still, I mean, you're affecting those guys' careers, yeah. you know. Now, of course, you're also setting yourself up for some civil lawsuits, and I'll bet they're going to be getting paid out because you have to factor in not only missing those fights, but, you know, does this take – a physical injury? Does this take time off of my career? Borg's got – having vision problems with the glass that shattered the – I mean, there's all sorts of things like that factored in – but what did, that's when it just becomes an absolute disaster and all you had did all you had to do if you're Connor you could have still had all the same bravado all the same stuff and probably gotten better impact too if yeah. you'd have just oh, no. done way, something like this for the media the way you laid it out was a way better idea yeah and then it's then then everybody's into it then it's a show then no one's hurt it's words but it's Connor who's you know the yep. greatest mouth there ever was. And you could make all the claims about I'm here to take this fight. I'm here to take it on one day's notice. No, no, I'm me afraid, Khabib. You're afraid. You turn it around like that. Oh, it could be. Would you? You tell the UFC you wanted them to uh, get you out of this because I showed up to take the fight. I mean, you could say anything you wanted to say, and you're shielded by the reality, which is they wouldn't make that fight on a day's notice. And Connor can be Connor as it is now, man. You know, there's not a lot of things that are bigger than Conor McGregor, but the the, the legal system is bigger yeah. than Conor McGregor. I mean, he's really gotten himself in some trouble now.
1: I mean, yeah, now he has assault charges on him.
0: Yeah. He's got assault charges.
1: And like you said, I mean, the civil lawsuits, mm-hmm. he has money and lawyers are going to help the fighters go after him for lost wages, damages.
0: Yeah. I was, you know, I was getting asked. Actually, uh, uh, I had Shit. to do a couple I
1: mean, the UFC of UFC could sue him if <laughs> Yeah, I,
0: uh, I I did a, a couple of call-ins to uh, to some radio stations uh, that that I've worked for actually that still you know will call me to talk about MMA stuff. And I called my my Dallas affiliate, and we were talking about what had happened. And I said, you know, and of course, their immediate thought was or question was. Is Conor, will Conor McGregor get fired? Will he get cut? Will he be allowed to fight in the UFC again? And I said, well, yeah. I mean, at some point, because even under the worst of circumstances, you have at some point promoted one heck of a fight between him and Khabib Nurmagomedov, and Khabib is reacting to that. Uh, so you've done that. However, there are so many things now – in my opinion, that have to be taken care of before you could ever even consider it. And that's the legal stuff aside. He's going to have to get all that worked out. But first of all, uh, the State Athletic Commission is going to have to be satisfied in the form of some sort of penalty, suspension, what have you. Secondly, and this is going to be the big part, the whole web of potential civil lawsuits has got to be satiated. To a person, so you're talking about not only the fighters that were impacted, but uh, and we don't know specifically who, but UFC employees. There were several of those guys that had to go to the hospital. I don't know if anybody was, you know, seriously injured or not. Had but he
1: punched one of the uh, security details. That
0: I didn't hear, but. I thought it sure. Okay. You could pun- be. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's like every part. You know how this stuff works. I mean, people. Some obviously, if you've got a legitimate claim to injury, uh, then then there there's no shame in in uh, following up for lost wages. But th- that plus anybody else that could just say they were you know affected in some sort of ancillary way, you're going to have to untangle all of that before you can ever, as an organization, before the UFC can ever even think about just even preliminary preliminarily discussing him fighting again they would have to know that all of those uh concerns have been satisfied don't you think
1: yeah it's it's really a mess i mean i don't even think we're we're even seeing all the different angles of how this is going to affect the fight and affect connor in a negative way i mean this is really going to set him back a while
0: mm-hmm. let me ask you this Let me just be a fatalist here. Could you see a scenario where another couple of years go by, no Conor McGregor in MMA, no Floyd Mayweather in boxing, and in a couple of years from now, after being largely absent from the scene, their respective scenes, we see a Floyd Mayweather-Conor McGregor rematch because they both need the money.
1: If you would have asked me that a week ago, I'd have said no way. Mm-hmm. But just seeing Connor's decision-making skills the last yep. couple days, uh, the, yeah, it could happen. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. You know what I mean? Like, yep. uh, I, I wouldn't have thought so. You know, like I, I see how he's so smart in so many areas. Then I'm like, okay, you can't be this smart here and be stupid there. There's, mm-hmm. there's just no way. And, but uh, I was wrong. You know, for as smart and as genius-like as Connor is in some areas, um, that was a moronic move. That was just dumb shit, ghetto mentality. That just like, wow, that was. Are you are you serious? You realize you're rich now, right? You can't act like that no more. You're not just some thug living on the streets, you know what I mean? Like, y- y- people know who you are, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, here's a situation to give you an example of different mindset. Just last week, Jennifer and I and the kids who were at the movies, it was during spring break, and uh, a fight broke out. So, Jennifer, you know, in the theater, uh, outside the theater, oh, uh, there's probably about 25, 30 kids, high school kids, and and and, and they're jumping and beating the shit out of one kid in particular two or three kids are getting jumped and one kid's heads he's kind of jammed in the corner over in front of uh, kids quest there at santa fe and they're stomping on him you know and give him a good Jeez. stomping. so my wife's like frank do something you know And the, the guy's girlfriend goes over there and he she gets blasted in the face and then five of the dudes lay the boot to her and they're kicking her what? ass
0: are these all like teenagers yeah so I'm like, I am doing something. So kids, uh, they're underage. Yeah, yeah. okay. you know, 17-year-olds,
1: 16-year-olds. Yeah. So I'm like, you're right. We're going to do something. Let's get the fuck out of here. You know, and then, you know, So I'm having to have an argument with my wife. Like, let's leave. She's like, well, no, you're going to do something. I'm like, I ain't doing shit. I don't know them. I don't... And then, you know, finally I was like, Jen, grab the kids, let's get out of here. So I finally, to her protest of wanting to help out and be a good Samaritan, I get her out of there and now she's angry at me. She's like, you could have done something. I'm all, the shit I could have. Did you happen to look over and notice the 40 people that were watching all break out their phones? They're recording all that shit. So I walk over there and I help that kid out, you know, and he didn't get killed. He got up. No one died. You know, his eagles probably bruised up a couple stitches, whatever. But I go there and I help. Do you know who's getting sued? Me. They're not suing any of those fucking kids. They don't have shit. They don't own shit. That's yeah. why you know, we sit there and go, well, who's dangerous? I'm like, Connor? Connor? We're not dangerous because I have money. I own my house. Mm-hmm. I'm not that dangerous because I don't want to fucking get sued. So the chances of me whooping your ass, it's like, fuck, man. You really have to like put me in a corner for me to want to do that because... I don't want to deal with the repercussions of the legality of losing my shit. Cause I have stuff now, now a guy who doesn't have anything who gives a fuck. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just be, you know, do whatever the fuck you want. What are you going to do? He lives in an apartment and fucking, you know, he has a fucking piece of shit. 96 fucking Corolla. <laughs> Sue him for what? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. His car doesn't even have insurance, you know, like, you know, and so, uh, Connor needs to switch his mentality over to how my mentality is now. It's like you have things. You can't act that way anymore. The days of just being able to just, you know, uh, slamming a bottle on someone's face in a bar. Those days are gone, man. If you have things, you can't act that way. You know, if you don't have shit, well, then you can act an idiot. And then obviously criminal, you know, cases, you know, uh, you know, withstanding, but you know, civilly, you're right. You don't own shit. They're not going to sue you. No lawyer's going to help you sue somebody who, you know, they're going to do a background check on you and go, what does he have? Fucking nothing. He's fucking $30,000 in debt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're not, you know, no lawyer's going to help you take that guy to court yeah. because they're going to work on a fee of what they're going to get and what the fuck they're going to get, you know? And so, um, You know, Connor just mindset like when he went over there and grabbed that, it's like in my brain when I saw the video, every cell in my body was screaming like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Are you a fucking moron? I mean, it wasn't like you waited, you know. I'm not giving advice here, but, I mean, if you are going to do some shit, I'm definitely looking over both my shoulders to make sure no one's watching. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, is there any phones around or is anybody looking? Not
0: only are people watching, but you get a bus full of people who, in the modern era, part of their business is putting everything on social media. Yeah. Like, these are professional social and media documentarians. to be documentarians. the most famous
1: motherfucker in that yeah. world. Yeah. I mean, it isn't like you can be like, oh, who did it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Fuck. I mean, it just... it's.
0: And he had, the thing is, too, he has the gift of a mouth. Like, he's, yeah. he's the greatest talker the business has ever known. Like, it's not even like you're a guy who can't string a sentence together, no, so you've you got to you... break stuff. You're, you're the epitome of the talker. Like, no. you know, get a microphone. Right. No one can touch you.
1: He's the best in the business. I mean, he yeah. is I mean, that's why he's the richest fighter that we have. I mean,
0: I I just to me it it seems like what he is missing is the person in that camp group, entourage management, whatever you want to call it, that can hit the sweet spot of you're not the buzzkill you're not the person going, oh, no, no, Connor, you know, just you stay right here at home. Don't don't go outside the door. Don't don't be you. OK, you don't want that. But you also don't want the the career suicide guy that's like, fuck, yeah, let's rent a plane. Let's go over there and break shit. You need the middle guy who goes, OK, you want to do something? Let's let's think it through hold on okay yep make a big we'll do something but let's do it this way yeah it's all legal it's all legal make sure there's no place that they get you we're going to go over there and you know what connor everything you do is going to be brash it's going to be cocky it's going to be a statement it's going to be badass 100% legal nobody touches you we've thought it all through you know and if anybody did endeavor to touch you then it's on them then they're crossing a line of criminality. You know, he could have he done all that. But I, uh, obviously nobody is is, is giving him uh, that advice. It, it, and you think about what it will likely cost, you know, not only him but the organization. And going back to the
1: thing about as far as money-wise, his teammate also threw shit at the front of the van, yeah. right?
0: Yep, Lo- Artem Lobov. Right? Yeah.
1: Do you think he's going to get sued?
0: Well, no. Yeah, Why? Because he doesn't have anything. Exactly. Right.
1: That's how Connor. you got to start thinking, right. motherfucker. Like, you're the one they're going to sue. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. have shit now, dude. Like,
0: But got- I'll, I'll tell you this about Artem Lobov. He's done. I'll bet he didn't fight in the UFC nah, again. Never, no, never. And, and and he was, you know, maybe on the – I mean, there were a lot of people that said he was kind of only hanging on in the UFC because he was Connor's training partner. But think about that if you're Connor, Like, you just tanked your training partner's career who doesn't have the career – that you have, you know, like you now. He's his own person. I'm not saying you yeah. forced him to be involved, but at the same time, to not have the wherewithal to go, ah, uh, you know what, Frank, you're, you know, I'm the biggest, you know, fighter the the sports ever known. You're a journeyman. You're struggling. You know, you want to. You tell him how much longer you can do this. Why don't you not get involved in this? You know what I mean? Because if it goes bad my name will survive it you'll yeah. you'll be an after connor's
1: a little bit more bulletproof
0: yeah right so obviously all the way around none of that is uh getting thought through hey i uh told you i was somehow going to tie this yeah. to the raid on uh michael cohen's uh uh residence today donald trump's personal attorney so uh connor mcgregor is still in new york he and his buddies have uh they're not letting this Uh, ruined their vacation. They're still there, having a good time rolling around NYC. And uh, this morning at the hotel uh, where they're staying, uh, FBI agents descended upon the hotel to execute a raid. And I'm sure for a second or two, Connor probably thought, man, this investigation is getting very, very serious. But as it turns out, Michael Cohen is is staying at the same hotel as Conor McGregor is. And he's staying there while his New York apartment is being renovated, and the raids that they executed were simultaneous on Cohen's office, his apartment that's being renovated, and his hotel room where he's been staying while the renovations are going on. I learned that because while they were trying to cover the raids today there were already paparazzi outside the hotel not there for michael cohen but for conor mcgregor because they were trying to get shots of him coming out
1: <laughs> too funny
0: yeah collide, huh? so um we'll talk about that here in a second to the because uh, that that's some big breaking news uh that just happened is on our way over here about the the uh the fbi raid but let's let's finish talking about the card because um and we we kind of talked about it for a second already, but, uh, Rose Namajunas and, uh, Yolani and Jacek, which really was, was the title fight that got lost in so much of the spectacle of this week, but it was a hotly anticipated rematch. And, uh, you know, I, I actually liked Rose going into this fight, but I thought the way that she was going to win it was going to be we were going to see more of her ground skills, you know that that we didn't get to see in the first fight because it was a first round knockout. More of what uh, has has gotten Rose Namajunas to this place up to this point. But you know what? Turned out she just had a she just had a striking game that uh, that shut Joanna out on the cards. I mean, uh, Jay Check was able to land some kicks for sure. She was quick to point that out in the post fight press conference. But Rose Namajunas had the game plan to beat her. And to me, it, it, this is one of those victories where it's like you knock somebody out in the first round and as impressive as that is, it, it just goes with the territory that people are going to be going, okay, but you want a tough weight cut, wasn't focused, distracted, solid punch, caught her, took her out. Now you've basically shown the exact opposite playbook to winning, which is I'll drag this thing out over five rounds and there won't be any question.
1: Yeah, it was impressive. I mean, and uh, again, uh, I would, not to confuse anybody to switch sides at the end, I did not pick Rose to win either time. Yeah. I definitely didn't pick her to, pick, to win the first one, and uh, I 100% still did not pick her. I was one of the people that thought it was a lot of other factors besides that she was the better fighter. So uh, I was wrong. Uh she is the better fighter uh, between her and Joanna. I mean, she just has her number. Uh, her movement, uh, the left hook, seems to really just give Joanna uh, a hard time. She's able to tag her and move around, and uh, you know, and and to started kind of finding some rhythm with the kicks, but just the movement of uh, of Rose is just too much, and she, her hands in the in the. The, the angles that she uses, the in and outs, and just smacking her hard and getting out of the way of those kicks, is just uh, was a recipe that just lasted. And then, you know, uh, uh, I thought the fight was getting kind of close in the fifth, where I was like, all right, well, the third round I gave to Juana fourth round I was like, ah, you know, shit, you know, could go either way, but um, you know, the first two rounds I thought was all Rose. But then, uh, you know, in the fifth round, she really showed that she's just a phenomenal warrior. Dug deep, out gutted Joanna uh, uh, and beat her in the fifth round, which is probably the round that if you'd have told me, where would she have success at? That'd be the last round I would have picked for anybody to beat Iwana. Beating Iwana in the first round, I've seen people do it before. She's a little bit of a slow starter, but she really gains momentum. To be able to beat her there in the fifth, that was that was impressive. Mm-hmm. You know that that uh that really that I thought really stamped that she is the champ.
0: Yeah, you know, I'll float this theory by you. Tell me what you think. You know, in the early days of the UFC when it was really much more of the wild frontier and all that, you know, you saw guys that that came in and progressed very rapidly in skill level. It was almost like for some people, it was still a little bit of a training ground. and if they were able to stick around and make a career out of it, you saw them progress exponentially in their skill level in later years, because the UFC has become you know, the, the big show guys weren't coming in as any kind of well-kept secret. The guys that came into, the, it's kind of like why the ultimate fighter quit being what it was, you know, used to, it was like, holy shit, we're discovering this guy and that guy and this guy, and nobody knew about this guy. Nobody knew about that guy. And it didn't happen so much anymore yeah. because what was happening in the later years was the UFC became so big that if you had business in the UFC, a lot of times they already knew who you were. So what you would do is you would get in the big show. Now you have to prove that you do belong and you're not going to wash out. But to me, the, the, the skill improvement at that point became incremental because you already had to be at such a top level in the later years yeah, to exist in the organization. Right. Now, let me compare that to new weight classes. And first of all, new genders. I mean, you know, the women's involvement in the UFC is still fairly recent. Of course, that started a handful of years back with Ronda Rousey. But then as we add the featherweight class, as we add the strawweight class, as we have now added the flyweight class, I think what's happening is you are getting some fighters, and I'm using Rose Namajunas as an example here, of even though she was an established professional fighter coming into the UFC, maybe it's just we have seen her excel in skill level and get so much better with her striking that it's kind of like a throwback to the early days of the UFC where you would see fighters do that you know you'd see a fighter come in and there are some modern examples of that but I mean you know I mean you see somebody like like Damian Meyer or something who you know came in ground specialist but you see his striking progress I guess what I'm saying is I just feel like Certainly on the men's side, and certainly in more established weight classes, you just in the recent years there hasn't been as much opportunity for that kind of yeah. thing to happen. No, I, and maybe in these weight classes, what yeah.
1: you just laid out totally makes sense, and I agree with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's what we're saying. I mean, maybe it's just where we all just need to go. No, you know what's happened in the last couple of years is Rose Namajunas has just gotten that much better. Yeah, she and you know what that makes me want to see her fight Carla Esparza. You know that yeah. makes me. Uh, uh, you know that's a that's a a fight that she was favored to win coming off of the show, and yeah. of course, Esparza beat her to be the inaugural champion. But you know what's happened here, interestingly enough, is um uh is is Esparza was never able to uh to defend that title. You know, it went right on Joanna, and Joanna held it for however many years she yeah. kept it so uh so with Rose successfully defending that title I mean this is really kind of the beginning of of her uh era there so I'd like to see her uh the Esparza fight is interesting uh but I'll tell you was her
1: other loss she has two losses or three
0: yeah her other loss is to let me look it up real quick um I'll tell you who I think she gets next is uh Jessica Andraj, who uh to this day I thought she lost her Andraj? Uh,
1: didn't they already fight? That I mean, might be your other loss.
0: Maybe that is it. Hold on. Let me let me look that up. That does kind of make sense to me. Um but the thing is, is that uh Andraj is uh ranked number one. So you gotta think that she's next in line for a uh for a title shot. And uh also while I'm looking this up, uh Jessica Andraj is to date the only UFC fighter that has ever conducted an interview with us inside Stately Mirror Manor with a translator present. That's true. Tisha Torres is who you're thinking of. Ah, that's her other that's a... loss. Yeah. But uh, Andrage is ranked ahead of Torres. So I think uh, uh, th- Andrage and, and lost that title shot to Joanna. But now with the right. changing of the art champion. Now, speaking of that, now you got to talk about what happens with Joanna and Jacek crazy as it sounds, I mean, you just have these two losses to, uh, uh, to Rose, but as long as Rose has that belt, she kind of gets Misha Tated. You know, it's kind of like after the, those two losses to Ronda Rousey, you, you kind of hit that glass ceiling. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I, I think at this point, Joanna moves up to flyweight. That is a, that's the newest of all the divisions it doesn't have an established superstar, which means that could be her. She's mm-hmm. able to establish herself at one twenty-five. She already has problems with weight cut. Go there and see what happens. You know, and maybe maybe Rose loses that title at some point. And then the division or the one fifteen breaks open again. That, that's what she should be. That's what I'm saying. You know,
1: maybe it just finally caught up to her. I mean yeah. making that weight cut each time and she's not getting any younger, maybe it's just too much for her at her.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. So I think what happens from here should be fairly obvious uh for for those guys. All right, now put on your uh your ACB hat there for a second, Frank. I see you got over there in the corner, so I'll give you a chance to get that uh on your head. Uh tell us for uh for those who did not know too much about him uh prior to his uh his his uh UFC residency. He's a beat Magomed Sharapov. He
1: was our champion. Um, He uh, won the belt of featherweight and then vacated it uh, when he had an opportunity to go fight in the UFC. Uh, uh, They offered him, uh, you know, he wanted to give it a shot there. So I think that uh, he's surprising people right now that are getting an idea of who he is. But over there in Russia, the guy is phenomenal. Uh, Great, great striker, which everybody's seeing with his kicks, his hands. He's long. Uh, extremely tough good wrestler if you get in close he'll throw you down and uh you know excellent jiu-jitsu stylist really that's very uh he had to really see a weakness in his game
0: yeah he uh he beat uh kyle bochniak saturday night uh fight of the night performance uh i i thought the best fight on the card for sure um his third straight ufc win uh a uh, across the board shutout on the scorecards did you and by the way did it with uh what they think was a uh broken right uh broken right hand that that he may have even broken there was some reports that he might have broken that hand warming up before the fight he didn't even break it in the first round but uh looked uh looked really impressive now is he uh would he be I'm trying to think for a c b would he be like their biggest breakout star i mean a fighter who wasn't already really well known going into their organization has there been anybody bigger that's come out and gone into another organization i can't think of anybody
1: not offhand
0: yeah because anybody else is going to be somebody who's maybe come in already with peter
1: yen our other champion now also has gone over
0: yeah but i mean not making these kind of waves uh he will be yeah okay all right (laughs) It's good to have your. Uh, it's good to have uh, Frank Mir international MMA talent scout, handy here. I've told
1: people before uh, there's a lot of guys over there at the ACB that would. Uh be contending for belts in the UFC. Mm -hmm. It's just that the UFC doesn't sign a lot of them because uh, their lack of English. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's hard to market a guy that doesn't speak English, and that's, you know, your largest market is the English-speaking area. And so, um, you know, it's not from a lack of skill. There's some murderers over there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and and so it's not like it's a B League. Uh, Skill-wise, there's a few of our champions that – I would very, I'd feel very comfortable putting money on beating a few of the champions over at the UFC.
0: Who else is uh, somebody to keep an eye on over there? Anybody who's watching you and Brian Lacey call fights on uh, the Fight TV app for ACB, if you were going to just tell somebody who's tuning in for the first time, maybe they've heard us talking about it, but they haven't downloaded the app or they haven't tuned in, and now they're going to, who are one or two names homegrown over uh, there that you to watch out for?
1: So uh, one fighter though right now is our uh, featherweight, was it featherweight? Yeah, um, uh, interim champion He's actually solidifying the champion. Uh, his name is Yusuf Rasiev. The guy is phenomenal. He's a phenomenal grappler, striker. His only loss is actually to the guy who's the current champion. Who was an undefeated. Uh, this guy Marat Balayev. They're fighting actually in Moscow. Both these guys, it's a war. Every time this guy Balayev fights, just the guy is just like. Walks through punches. He's not the most skilled guy, but he just embodies like just, just Russian grit, just, just walks in. But Yusuf is just phenomenally skilled. He's just somebody that would just be a champion in almost any of the uh, uh, any organization. Mm-hmm. And then also, too, you, that night, if you guys want to tune in, because they got like four belts on, there's a light heavyweight on the card. He's their champion. Uh, he knocked out, at the time it was Tiago Silva was our champ, and he knocked him out in two rounds. I mean, he just walked him down. And he's actually a phenomenal grappler. And I haven't seen him grapple yet because he just, in the two fights I've watched him do, uh, he decides he just wants to box with people. And he's just extremely long, powerful. Um, he looks like he's a force to be reckoned with. Uh, his name is uh, uh, Batraz uh, Agnev. And the guy's, I mean, he's six foot five, shredded. I mean, he walks into a room, and you're like, "That guy looks like whatever sport he picks, he's gonna dominate."
0: Mm-hmm. Well, all right, There's a couple of names to watch out for uh, if you get the fight TV app. Are you? You're not calling any more fights for the rest of the month, though, right? No, no, I'm
1: off. We have one more card in Italy. I won't yeah. be there for that one. So Luke Barnett will, you know, he's oh, takes my place. Oh. He's out. the big
0: slow. Yep. Yeah. Uh,
1: so he uh, he's my backup. Mm-hmm. Helps me out whenever I can't make a show. So him and Brian Lacey we were doing an all English commentary. I started
0: to say, yeah, yeah, the all English commentary team, and then you you go back to A C B in May after Fedor.
1: Yep. So the next weekend I'll be back there.
0: All right. Very good. Um, all right, you know what? We're going to do something that we don't often do here on this show, which is talk a little pro wrestling because Ronda Rousey made her debut in the WWE. Well, she had debuted a few weeks prior, but her in-ring debut last night at WrestleMania. I watched. Let me say a couple things. Number one, she looked great in there. I mean, as far as you know, what pro wrestling? Of course, spoiler alert is uh, is predetermined in terms of the outcomes. But it's did it's, she win uh yes, she won, uh but it's choreography it's 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 a dance, you know, and if you've ever seen two people try to dance and one of them doesn't know how to dance, it can be real obvious, so that was actually the part I was watching for because when you watch pro wrestling, those guys and girls are so skilled at what they do that it's fluid you know it's it's amazing movement and a lot of times when you see someone who is from outside that world try to enter it especially at that level sometimes it can be bad um so uh i was kind of watching for that and it was anything but that like she she looked great she absolutely looked like she belonged in there um they uh they they had her in this mixed tag match so they put her with Kurt Angle, former uh, gold medalist who has a Hall of Fame wrestling career. The two of them tag team against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, Vince McMahon's daughter, who's not a professional wrestler by trade, but has wrestled a handful of matches over the years in kind of this limited special capacity. So the the whole chemistry of it worked out well because you had the mixed gender. You had Kurt Angle and Triple H who could kind of – carry it if they had to. And that's what I thought was going to happen going in. I thought, well, those two guys will kind of carry it and Rhonda may just get in long enough to do a beat down on Stephanie McMahon. But, but actually she had some some pretty skill moves that she'd obviously been training hard on. I think it she's passionate about it. You know, she was a big pro wrestling fan and and as tough as it got to see her in the UFC. And I don't mean tough, like she was past a prime or anything like that, but just that downer of a feeling that we talked about recently, you know, just where it's, it's like, uh, oh, she doesn't want to be here. She doesn't want to talk to us. She looks unhappy. She loses the fight. So she storms out, you know, there's all that stuff going on. She looked super happy last. I mean, she was fake mad. Like she had to be for the character, but you could just tell she was into it, you know? And Hey, if, if that's the case, then I think she's where she needs to be.
1: That's cool. Good for her.
0: Yeah. I will say this, though. Um, the UFC, Dana White was there in attendance. And uh, after seeing that fight last night, Ronda Rousey's where she needs to be in the WWE. But I think the UFC needs to seriously look at signing Stephanie McMahon. Because let me tell you something, Frank. She successfully defended... Two Ronda Rousey arm bars before she finally tapped to the third. But it took her so long to tap to the third. I think if you added up her cumulative defense time of resistance, I think she resisted her longer than anybody that Ronda ever fought in MMA. Too funny. I mean, it was – and and it was – now, I worried a little bit that Ronda might have been rusty on her armbar technique because – there was one point where Stephanie McMahon had the most fragile of S grips that she was, that was all that was standing between her and getting her arm extended. Rhonda had it. She had, um, we're, we're audio only today, but she had this much daylight between her arms and her body. So it's not like Stephanie's arms were against her uh, body. This little S grip right here, Rhonda had an arm hooked And it was if she – and I'd have to ask Rhonda about this herself, Frank. I don't know if she just temporarily forgot that she could just put a foot in there and break them apart or even, you know, the technique of just turning the arm at an angle a little bit to peel it off. so much on on her
1: boxing, maybe, you know, rusty on her judo.
0: That might be it. That might be it. There was another point where she picked up Triple H, who is – he's a man of size, uh, he's, he's gotta, he's gotta go about the same, same size as you, uh, picked him up on her shoulders and had him in the air for a Samoan drop before her effort was, uh, was thwarted. That was pretty impressive. You know, that's
1: probably all the work she's been doing with Travis, yeah, <laughs> Travis <laughs> carrying
0: him around, around the house. She like a, a husband a, who's 265 That's right, pounds, six foot eight carrying that guy around the house, like a, like a sack of potatoes. But other than you know, the kind of suspect... But then again, I was like, wait a second. Is it that Khabib is having an off night? Or is it that alia Quinta is looking just that good? I mean, maybe with all the fanfare of Ronda Rousey, we were just underappreciating Stephanie McMahon. I don't know. I will I will pose that question to Dana White next time I talk to him. Because he was there at ringside. And I was, I'm going to ask him, I'll be like, did you notice? That? I mean, was it just me? Or was Stephanie McMahon... The unheralded heroine of this exchange—that she uh, she hung in there uh, longer than. Uh, I wonder any what
1: belt she has in jujitsu.
0: Uh, I'm gonna guess it's what's what is below white. What is, what do they give you? Clear. I Rope. think it's yeah. I, I think it's like plastic. <laughs> Clear plastic. <laughs> Hold your gear together with this. Do you think it's funny when I when I play not in on the joke wrestling guy? When I'm just no? like the oh okay. What
1: do you mean? Oh, I like it.
0: Yeah. Oh, you like that? Okay. Like when I was talking to you about the potential of a third Brock Lesnar fight, and I'm like, listen, Frank, I, this guy was having trouble with The Undertaker the other night, and The yeah. Undertaker's like 56 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Brock, now here's another uh, uh, news item. So Brock was in the main event of WrestleMania last night, and the deal was that his contract was ending – with the WWE and a lot of people felt like he was going to return to the UFC. We last saw him at UFC 200. He defeated Mark Hunt, got in some trouble with USADA. He still got some of that suspension to serve out, but the thought was that he was going to go back to the UFC, enter the testing pool again for USADA, do that for six months, but get the winner of Stipe and Daniel Cormier, maybe for like the big year end show. Uh, Dana White had even said this past week in an interview that Brock was going to come back to the UFC. He just wasn't sure when. Now, today it was announced, I think to a lot of people's surprise, that Brock Lesnar had re-signed with the WWE, but reports are that he's got the special ability to fight part-time in the UFC if he wants to do that. So we could see uh, UFC management willing to do something they've never been willing to do in the past, which is have somebody go back and forth and do both pro wrestling and uh, UFC. I think the only time that ever came up was once upon a time with Kurt Angle back in his heyday because Kurt had expressed some interest in fighting. And he would be a legit... Uh, oh, you know, gold medalist wrestler, uh, but at the time, and that was many years ago. Dana was not interested in doing both, and kind of blurring that line between you know choreography, showmanship, and and real fighting. But but years have passed, and everything's evolved at this point. So uh, maybe. Maybe we see uh, Brock doing that. But he's got this weird sort of part-time schedule now in the WWE. Where, and I don't think fans necessarily like it. He just sort of shows up. He works a very limited schedule. And just kind of goes, in a lot of ways it looks like he's just kind of going through the motions. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe we get a scenario now where he, uh, he is able to come over and find the UFC. Now, he's under contract still to the UFC. He's under He's under MMA contract to the UFC because my first thought was, boy, this would be an interesting time for you know an organization like Bellator to make him an offer. I mean, they'd have to pay yeah. big time, but there'd yeah, be no
1: he a contract with them. He just and the fact he retired, I think. Did not he like retire after the uh, drug test issue?
0: I don't know if it was ever a formal retirement. Well, he he exited the testing pool, which I think he would have to announce a retirement yeah. in order to get out of that, but as we've talked about on the show before, you're you're basically kind of frozen, right, with yeah. your UFC contract. So if you unretire, the clock just starts again and right. you still have to work out the deal. So it makes sense that he would he would go back to the UFC if you're still under contract to him. Um one final point, uh, since we mentioned USADA, uh this coming down today, uh USADA news about Nick Diaz. Not Nate, Nick Diaz. Nick has accepted a one year suspension. Uh, because he failed to disclose his whereabouts, I guess, for three consecutive attempted visits from USADA. And the deal is that, I mean, you can speak to this better than me, but that that once USADA came into play, you had to notify them if you were going to be somewhere else, right, in case they were going to surprise test you? How did that work?
1: uh, It's either (laughs) – yeah, that or he just didn't update it completely because, like, every three months, every quarter, yeah, uh, you're supposed to update your whereabouts, and if you don't submit it, that counts as a whereabouts failure. Yeah. So, technically, if you go nine months without that would be three in fractures
0: yeah well that's i guess what happened to him because i know the, the magic number was three that they had either tried to test him or there were three times where he failed to disclose his whereabouts but it was one of those things when i saw it come up i'm like is this i didn't even know nate was still in the pool because i didn't even know he was i mean i guess we haven't completely closed the book on him not fighting but i didn't
1: know that either to be honest with you, i thought he kind of just retired
0: i know it was like a i guess what you'd call a soft retirement where yes. somebody just stopped showing up to i mean take he fights take
1: anything why wouldn't he just fight? you know i don't know
0: yeah i don't know either but that seems like the kind of thing that seems like something the diaz brothers might have happen like where they just kind of forget to tell you something or they just don't give a fuck. They don't yeah, don't want to. that's what I'm saying. They just kind of forget to turn in some paperwork yeah. or don't bother. And well, I don't think Something catches I mean, up to purposely them. purposely just like, hey, you going to yeah. do this?
1: Nah. Yeah. Nope, not going to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe so. All right, before we wrap this thing, I mentioned uh, there was the uh, the news coming down just as we were getting ready to tape about uh, uh, Michael Cohen getting his uh, residence, his office, and his temporary residence raided today. Um this is interesting because this is going to open up that conversation about. And uh, President Trump was asked about this uh, in the wake of this happening, about the possibility of firing the special counsel Robert Mueller, and what would happen if he does that. He had already
1: going to, because he's already said that people around him told him he should.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's and pulling he, that
1: thing again. Yeah. I've heard, or people are saying, or well, I've...
0: he also he also referred to it as an attack on the country that this raid happened today. It is interesting too. If you listen to this clip, he said that this morning the FBI broke into his office, which, if you have a warrant, it's not breaking in, right? Yeah. But it it I I don't think there's any question that he would like to do it, but I'm telling you, if he does that. That really starts the clock on the beginning of the end of the administration. And here's my thought. And we can discuss this more at a later point. But if he does it.
1: He's going to.
0: And I think there is a good chance he will. I'm kind of with you on and that. I think
1: he'll survive it.
0: I don't, and here's why. It's interesting you say that.
1: He's fired uh, the last head of the FBI. Uh, James Comey. Comey, Co- 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 who was investigating it.
0: Yes, but I <laughs> He think, survived that. We don't even talk about it anymore. <laughs> do you know I'm never going to forget where I was when I found that out? We were out uh, shooting guns with uh, Michael Crenshaw, our buddy oh, yeah, that came in right. to fire the gun. We yeah, were out there in the, the LB, desert, yeah, yeah. Um, when that news came down. But I think if he had it to do over again, he might not do that because of what's happened. I mean, when he fired him, then Sessions had to recuse himself. Then here came the special counsel and all that. Here's what what I'll tell you. If Trump fires him, that to me is Trump basically saying, I would rather not have this gig than have you dig as deep as you're about to dig. And the difference being, as opposed to Nixon, who just resigned, Trump isn't going to do it like that. Trump's going to go, okay. I'm firing him now. Do as you will. And to his base, he will always have the argument to make of, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a political victim. Yeah, a martyr. A martyr, exactly. And it's that will be a, a slow and much more uh, tedious process. But yeah, I kind of begin to wonder. Doesn't. I don't we're think hitting.
1: anything happens to him. I just think he won't be reelected. I think he'll write out his term because I think to impeach him will be too difficult because you know he keeps doing things that we didn't even think were possible.
0: Yeah. The it's... Fire, I
1: mean, like I said, I didn't know... Until this happened, I didn't know that the president could fire the head of the FBI.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was like, so wait a minute. So doesn't the FBI investigate the president? Like, yeah, but he could fire them, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Did anybody think this one through?
0: <laughs> I think there's a lot of things... In the once this is all over with one way or another, that may have to be changed oh, yeah. as far as loopholes that need to be closed. So that's
1: what I'm saying. I think that basically they're going to just, I think we'll get him for the full four years. Mm-hmm. I, I think that he's, I don't think he'll run, you know. or
0: I agree with that. I, well, here's the thing, though. I think a lot of it's going to have to do with November because you're going to have the midterm elections in November. And I think that... He would like to have all of this settled one way or another before November while his party still controls both houses of Congress because if one of them, let alone both of them, shift, that could change everything now. I'll tell you this i mean as as somebody who opposes him politically i'm not I don't want to see an impeachment. I'm not excited about that. I'm not one of these people that's clamoring for, "Oh, just wait till we get him." That's a that's a, a horribly sad, embarrassing thing for the country to have happen. There's only been two presidents that have ever been impeached, and neither one of them were convicted in the Senate. So it would weaken the democracy. It's not something you want under any circumstances, whether it's the guy you voted for or not. But at the same time, there comes a point where... People, you know, elected officials have to decide if they're going to put country before party, and that's what happened during Watergate. I mean, what happened was the reason Nixon resigned was because he realized after he fired his, his special prosecutor, Saturday Night Massacre that everybody always talks about, that that's where the establishment of his party, the people like Barry Goldwater said, no, we can't support you on this. What you just did is bigger than party. And so we have to be patriots first and we have to tell you that you will now have to resign. It was the Republicans who forced that resignation, not the Democrats uh, uh, back during the Watergate era. So there will be a point, And, you know, people, some people are, you know, Lindsey Graham's already on record. He said, listen, if if Donald Trump fired Robert Mueller, his exact quote, there would be hell to pay. That would be the beginning of the end of his presidency. The problem is... It would take two thirds of the Senate. And that's assuming that the House votes to introduce the articles to begin with. I mean, we're a long way from that. And again, I just I want to be real clear to say that I that's a dark, sad day just to even have that conversation under any circumstances. But I do think that for Trump, if he fired Robert Mueller, because he couldn't just stop there, he'd have to fire Rod Rosenstein. The Deputy Attorney General, he'd probably have to fire Jeff Sessions too. I mean, it would it would be a, uh, a you know a house cleaning that if he were to do it, he would kind of be you know what it would be. It would be like what we started out the show talking about with your your Russian friends who were saying, I think Conor McGregor is afraid because he attacked the bus. You know, he didn't he didn't resign from the UFC. He didn't say. I'm going to, rather than have to fight Khabib Magomedov, I'm just going to step aside. But he threw a dolly through a bus window in a fit of rage, thinking that this will cause this fight to never happen. I mean, to draw an analogy, I think that's what that would be if you fired him, because he knows what he's doing at that point. Yeah. yeah.
1: But I think that still it would, just impeachment takes so long.
0: Yeah, it, it it would, um, and and it would be the kind. Of, like I said, I think, I think November is such an indicator of that. Like he's gonna know, you know, if if Congress turns the other political direction, he's gonna know that he probably ain't gonna want to be in there to begin with anyway. You know, on the other side of that, yeah. if it stays with his party, then yeah, maybe he thinks he can appease him enough. But I'm telling you, it's. It's a whole other thing when, when it is evident that someone has superseded their authority, and that's where it changed on Nixon. And so, uh, you know, that's the importance of learning history. Sometimes it repeats itself. We'll we'll see if it repeats itself this time around. All right, Frank, tell them about the Amazon banner.
1: Go on uh, Facebook, or Facebook, <laughs> phoneboothfighting.com. There on our page, you'll see an Amazon banner. If you click on that banner to do any of your shopping for your wants and needs, uh, a small percentage of what you buy uh, goes back to us here at the show to help us out at it. no extra charge to you. It's a very effortless way of helping us out.
0: That's it. Uh, And tell a friend. Frank mentioned that earlier. Tell a friend about phone booth fighting. Tremendously helpful for us. That's how we're going to grow this thing one listener at a time. You can also order official phone booth fighting merchandise at phoneboothfighting.com as well. All right, Frank, tell them how to follow us on social media.
1: You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Phone Booth Fighting and Snapchat and Twitter, Phone Booth Fight.
0: All right, Frank has a potential chicken box uh, outbreak to uh, investigate. <laughs> what's the uh, What's the early verdict from the mere CDC upstairs? Uh, it Looks like we
1: got chicken pox. Which Ronan would be the first one of the three to get it?
0: Oh boy, have you ever had it? Uh, I did. Okay. Uh,
1: I, I didn't. I think the vaccination still was just.
0: Yeah, I predated the vaccination. I but think I, had I predated it, it too because yeah,
1: I had chickenpox.
0: So, yeah, yeah. You know,
1: my brothers and sister, yeah, we we all had it. So, but my kids all had the vaccines. So that's why I was kind of shocked right now when the wife just gave me the text. Come upstairs. And mm-hmm. I walk upstairs and Roland's covered in spots that he's scratching.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I
1: called you up. I'm like, well, let's see. What do you think? So yeah, yeah,
0: the- yeah. I I uh, he needed a second opinion, yeah. so uh, I offered a diagnosis. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Yep, something's going on there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No school for you tomorrow. All right, for Frank Mir, I'm Richard Hunter. We will see you right back here next time on Phone Booth Fighting.
1: Everybody was kung fu.